Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is the November 2nd game against the Detroit Red Wings and, uh, you know, a strong showing overall from, I would say, actually the whole team finally. Yeah, I think, you know, that Mark Bergevin talking to after that Anaheim game on Halloween really might have sparked something. You know, it's interesting to see, you know, how that dynamic kind of works because, you know, personally, I would have assumed that the GM talks to the team mostly, like, after every game. Like, I would have thought that it's kind of that kind of situation where, you know, like, if any of you guys played minor hockey to any competitive level and you had a GM, like, you know, the, the GM would, mo- for most for the most part, kind of talk to the team like a head coach does. And, like, it's kind of surprising that Mark Berger, um and I guess every other GM in the league kind of only does it when either there's a trade that he has to announce to the team and kind of make sure everyone's on board or... Uh, to kind of give them a talking to. So clearly, I mean, that's a good strategy because it gets the spark out of the team when you need it. But, yeah, really strong showing. Obviously, we're going to – let's jump into the stats before we start breaking it down line by line. Yeah, so – and then just remind me to go back to that GM thing after. But so um, the first goal was uh, Suzuki from Toffoli and Petrie. Second was Anderson from Suzuki and Gallagher. And then Gallagher had the empty netter from Toffoli and Suzuki. So – we were talking about this in the uh, you know first review a uh, recap of the first you know ten games of the season there and um, we had said you know where are these names where's Gallagher where's Suzuki where's Toffoli yeah. um, where's guess, Petrie yeah. it was you know that's everyone who's on the board tonight I guess that's what happened in the locker room I mean like let's start with the Suzuki goal I mean I, as happy as I was with Nick Suzuki getting on the board um, you know I was texting you this yesterday when we were watching the game I was like. You know, Nick Suzuki, like by and large, has had a fine season. Like he's not, you know, he's obviously not been playing how we expected him to play with the mm-hmm. extension that he's getting next year. But, um, you know, definitely not a, uh, you know, the elephant in the room on the team. But, um, you know, I was most happy to see Petrie get, you know, as an assist there because you know I really need him to get moving, and um, it was nice to see him produce. And if you actually watch the playback, it wasn't like one of those. Uh, 2019 drew in second assists it was actually like a you know really good assist uh, yeah. I think it was a secondary but it was still like he, he really he really ran the play there but um just nice to see him get a stat because I know he's one yeah, of those he guys saved the puck from leaving the zone yeah and I think you know he's he's one of those guys kind of like Cole Caulfield where he does have these huge slumps and he kind of needs to get his confidence back it's weird to say it but like Jeff Petrie definitely has confidence issues on the ice sometimes. Yep. And, like, when he's not playing well, you can even see it in his face that he's, like, really disappointed in his play. Well, we've said it before. He's his biggest critic, but he yeah. takes it so personally that he gets himself in these ruts. Yeah. Um, and I, it is just funny to, to notice with that one game, all of a sudden Suzuki's our point leader. Yeah. So, you know, eight points? Point, 8 points in 11 games. Oh, wow. Yeah, one goal, seven assists. I was going to say, I was going to ballpark five. Yeah, so, I mean, just obviously, again, this isn't uh, completely fair to do, but if he's on pace right now for a 60-point season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 not totally fair, but it is ten over 10%. I mean, yeah. like, we're, you know, we're a decent way into the, into, the, into the season now, which is, like, you know, a little bit worrisome, but hopefully we get the ball rolling with us a bit. I mean... You know, let's go into, you know, before we go to the second goal, let's go into, you know, Jake Allen again. Like, yeah. this guy is, you know, whoever watched his interviews either with, you know, RDS translated or with, um, you know, the Gazette or whatever, um, you know, he's very, very hard on his play, which is really nice to see because most backup goaltenders um, kind of have it implied in their psyche that, you know, they have to play well, but it's not really on them. Yeah. But Jake Allen, knowing that he's a one-two tandem with Carey Price, like, he really takes on that, 
criticism of himself like he's a starting goaltender. Mm -hmm. And he said basically in the interview, um, no, I'm not direct quoting here, but he said essentially, you know, I've had good games, but I've had really bad games, and I kind of have to find somewhere to be consistent in the middle. And I think that's exactly what we were saying in that 10% recap is, you know, it's nice to see him get shutouts, but, you know, it's also not nice to see him let in six goals. Yeah. Um, it's, it'd be nice to get kind of like an, like an even keel, um, you know, let in, you know, one to two, a shutout would be nice, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I think he agrees with that, and I, you know, I think the blame doesn't totally rest on him. A lot of that is, like we said, it's the defensive issue. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really cool to see him. Uh, he was really in position yesterday. Yeah, um, I did just before we go on, I did want to address that thing you said with the GM. Um, you know, before the extension for Ducharme, I had said Mark Bergevin is going to do what kind of what Bob Gainey did and coach and GM. And I'm kind of still tempted to, you know, play with that because it seems every time Mark Bergevin gets more involved with the locker room, they start to pick it up. I think Mark Bergevin would be a phenomenal coach. I think, I really think we should look into this. Yeah, like not only has he, you know, been a NHL talent, quote unquote, <laughs> but like he's, you know, he, he knows the game and he knows like the intricacies of playing. Like, you know, most coaches have, have played, but maybe not to the level that Bergevin has. Yeah. Um, you know, Bergevin was, you know, by no means Drew Doughty, but like he was, you know, he knew the game enough that he, yeah. he knows what goes into the, you know, the psyche of these guys sometimes when you're going into these crazy slumps. And, um, I think he kind of has this much more, um, stoic kind of quiet dad, don't yell at me cause it's scary cause I never see him do it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that really, you know, busts people into shape. And I think that's probably what happened in the locker room the other day. It was like, you know, we don't really see him angry. We don't even really see him happy. That's why, like, all those memes were going around when we beat Vegas of him, like, going crazy, like, yeah. grabbing everyone's neck. Because, like, we never see him like that. And I think it works the other way, too. Like, when he's pissed off, it must be, you know, a little bit intimidating. Yeah, very similar, I would think, to, like, Carey Price. Yeah, and, you know, defensively, I, you know, before I forget this, because I'm going a thousand directions here, but, you know, I was unfortunately very happy to see Romanov scratched like I, yeah. I noticed it on the ice like we were a lot more solid defensively and I, I don't think it was particularly because Romanov was scratched but it was because it sent a message to the decor of like you guys got to really pick it up here because like you know we see Romanov as one of our top prospects and, and, and top guys going into our defensive core the next few years and we're just like you know what you're playing like shit you're out well, that's it. And you know what? Just before I, I go back to version, I think, I think if Caulfield's able to go to Laval, so is Romanov. I think, and I, I think it benefit him just the same. I don't know why he's not in, in, in Laval. I, I, I say you, you bring Romanov to Laval and yeah. you play him 24 minutes a game. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get him to, to work the blue line and get his confidence and... Give him a, power play, penalty kill, yeah, top a, line, a everything. A player as physical as him would really thrive down there. And, like, I think... Um, it would really boost his confidence and, and it's um, little things like getting used to playing in front of Primo specifically yeah, and we're not you know like our defense is in shambles right now with Edmondson out but yeah. like it can't get much worse and I we don't like he's definitely our worst defenseman right now yeah and I don't see the reason why we the the pro of him playing for us isn't worth the con of us stunt, stunting his development of course like, not I, I put him down there for a good amount of time, especially with Edmondson coming back in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, two weeks, they say. I mean, that'll realistically you know, bump to three, because even when they said three weeks in early October, I looked at you and said, yeah, it's more like six. Yeah. Because they always do that. So 
Um, you know, and then we also have, you know, a, a bright light on the horizon with Carey Price returning. And, yeah. like, this is going to be, I'm telling you guys right now, honestly, like, almost like storybook level Carey Price return of basically he's going to come back and save the team. I guarantee you. Yeah. But the issue is, is we have to be careful with this and we have to tread lightly because the last thing we need to do is go and play Carey Price 40 games straight. That's and then, the, yeah. um, you know, you know, beat him to a pulp, basically, because, like, if we have any chance of making the playoffs, which it's, it's going to be extremely tight right now, like, we need him to be really well-rested. And uh, with the way we started right now, I think a big reason why me and you are so worried is because, ideally, what you do is you have a hot start, and then the last 10, 15 games of the season, you can kind of cool off, especially mm-hmm. with a team like Montreal, where, like, all we need to do is get into the playoffs. Like, our mm-hmm. matchups aren't super important. It's not like a... Um, you know, a Pittsburgh or Washington situation where, like, they, you know, obviously they thrive if they if they end well and they can play a weaker team, but we just need to get into the playoffs and, like, we have a, a storied past of being uh, great underdogs mm-hmm. and the last thing you want to do is for those last 10 to 15 games is to have to really push Carey Price. Like, you really want him off the ice. Exactly. And um, just to also, this is just another thought that popped in as to why we should be advocating from our Bergevin's coach. Um he's got a very specific vision for this team and I'm sure he hasn't shared that with anyone in terms of the coaching knows what he wants but if you basically are given full reign of how the team functions I'm sure there's a more clear path and that seems to be a big thing for the like the Canadians as a whole is identity and so I would be I wouldn't be surprised if um you know you had one guy running the team as a complete unit that we'd see some, you know, big changes and some positive changes. But yeah, I th- how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think it's very rare that you get a a GM coach tandem that is completely on the same page. I think like the last time we've really seen that has been you know, like former uh, Lightning GM Iserman and John Cooper. Like those guys were completely on the same page, mm-hmm. and like either one of them could do the other's job. Like, John Cooper could have GM'd and Eisenman could have coached, and they yeah. would have been the exact same result. It's very difficult to find that, because you look at a guy like Dom Ducharme, who, you know, was clearly completely content coaching Claude Julien style, but then, you know, when he gets the head coach gig, um, he goes to a completely different style. So it, it kind of begs the question, like, what is Dom Ducharme's vision? Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's clearly Claude Julien's or it's Marc Bergevin's, and, like, maybe it's somewhere in the middle or maybe it's somewhere far left or far right. And like, um, you know, I think that is kind of difficult for Bergevin because you have to have buy-in into that identity. And yeah. I think like if you don't, then let's say Dom Ducharme wants to play a much more defensive game where we're, we've been playing much more burst offense or trying to at least, not like, to no avail this season, obviously, but last season, um, it, it makes you think of like his buy-in on the bench. Is he kind of in the back of his head saying like, Oh I know we should be doing that. We should be doing that, not this. Well, no, we're just, gonna do it it makes I me make Mark happy. For for those who've seen this movie, it makes me think of Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Where basically this GM built this team and the coaching was fighting him the whole way yeah. and once they bought in, all of a sudden they had that incredible streak. Yeah. No where exactly. It's it just the exact so if these guys want to keep yeah. their job, that's that's the main issue, is like he 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 can't fight Bergevin on this because Bergevin one threw him a, a huge bone here. I mean yeah. like you know, I don't think you know Claude Julien being fired as quickly as he did, I think, was like a panic button, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think it should have been done, even though for a 
think like a small instance we supported it i think just purely out of emotion yeah also that but that's what i'm leaning on is that maybe it wasn't a panic thing and maybe it was really a headbutting thing. thing yeah it was a vision thing probably and like it, you know claude julien with how you know decorated this guy is as a coach yeah. he probably is extremely hard-headed like yeah when people really know their stuff on a subject you know like for example us in powerlifting yeah you know like when you really know a sport and like someone kind of challenges you on it you do kind of get a little bit stubborn right? yeah and there's a pride part to it yeah as there's well. a pride part and like you you kind of get set in your ways and you kind of get a little bit uh heated in discussion with with certain things and, and with a guy like claude julien with like the record this guy has there's no way that he doesn't have any strong opinions no of course not so but yeah anyway just a little tangent this is the kind of thing we want to interact with people with as well yep. so if anyone has you know another theory please oh, you, uh, before we go into the empty netter um did we go the second no one? we didn't do henderson yet oh shit. but okay. uh, yeah, so, uh very simply put anderson score scores a josh anderson style he, goal he just comes in cuts to the, the net full steam and scores like there's this he's the, getting up yeah, the, the Habs have this thing they do now every time he scores, and it's the little emoji of the train. And I think that's the perfect just, you know, like image for him. It's just like a freight train. This guy just goes straight up the ice with the puck. Yeah, No I, one stops him, and he just rips shots from about the mid-circle. That, that's what we got him for. And I yeah. think, like, with Anderson, the best strategy, and I think their line, you know, as much as I dislike Drew in at center, I think their line's kind of set up for this with Hoffman there, is if you're in the neutral zone... Drew and Hoffman, you get Anderson the puck. He's carrying it in, yeah, and, and doing that thing where like he did last night, where he, uh, or he carries it to the side offhand and and kind of scoops into front of the net. But if Anderson's in the offensive zone, you both are passing it to Hoffman. And yeah. I think that's the best strategy. Is neutral zone, you give it to Anderson. Offensive zone, you give it to Hoffman. And um, I think that's a, a definitely a winning strategy. I like how Anderson's heating up, and I think he's kind of showing a lot of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I see him on the on the you know on the uh, on the bench with the iPad showing other guys like you know obviously plays we can't really see the iPad fully but he's clearly speaking and, and, and asking questions and I think that he, he reminds me a lot of Gallagher like he he really yeah spiritually pulls guys up when like he, he's clearly got a very thick skin and he's got a very strong spirit because no matter what the team's going through you get guys like Jeff Petrie who are you know clearly leaders but you can tell he definitely gets down on himself but the Andersons and Gallagher's they, you know, obviously they're not thrilled with the record, but like you can tell they still have a lot of fight in them, mm-hmm. which is great. Absolutely, and that's also why he's an A in his jersey right now. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, what were you going to say about the empty netter? Um, oh no, I was going to say, I thought we were at the empty netter, but yeah, empty netter by Gallagher. I mean, yeah, just good defensive, guy, yeah, and yeah. good defensive hockey, honestly, that's where it started. Wasn't he's one of these... a good defensive role now. Yeah. Like they're throwing him out there a lot. I think it's because he's starting to... I think if, if you guys watch the practices at Brossard, which they're starting to post some more on the Canadian's website, um, they like a lot of highlights and even like half practice recordings. Um, he's learning a lot from Arturi Lekkanen. Like, yeah. They play very similarly. He can. I could see him playing with Evans and Lekkanen very yeah. soon. So like, I Lekkanen's been showing him like a lot of stuff defensively, and I think that's going to really round out Gallagher, especially when his goal scoring starts to dip. Like he can add an extra dimension to his game, which would be huge for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about Michael Pizzetta? You know what? Um, most of the game, I was, nice I was okay with it. There was one play right near the end of the game where he essentially crashed Nadelkovic, and, or Nadelkovic, yeah. whatever it is. Whatever. And, you know, even uh, I think it was Mike Johnson on TSN who said it. He goes, you know, that's unnecessary. Mike Pizzetta doesn't have to do that. 
but um, definitely a spark on the team. Yeah, I, I noticed know. the hits. He's obviously like his ice time. You know, he he barely got eight minutes, but mm-hmm. that's kind of expected. He was called up yesterday, yeah, or the day before yesterday. Um, yeah, so we're recording the morning after. So he was called up Monday. So he was called up Monday afternoon. So like he he didn't even he got a morning skate in with the team. He didn't even get in practice. Yeah. So like obviously he's not totally on the same page. Um, you know. Uh, good. Oh yeah, we didn't mention the Druin thing. So Druin yeah. got pucked to the face. Like what was it? Like a minute. Into Very the game. fast in the game. Yeah. It was like two minutes or something into the game. So you know, obviously that was a huge scare. But uh, all the tweets I'm seeing this morning saying like he was just obviously really bruised up and nothing mm. serious. The fact that he skated off the ice and the doctor met him in a tunnel was probably he the went scariest straight part. to the hospital. Yeah, he went straight to the hospital. So. Um, I wasn't sure if his visor had chipped or not. It maybe, hit him on the side of the head, which is, that is what scarier because, like, obviously he's temple reading. Yeah, it was just he was grabbing his eye when he got, he got off. Yeah, so I don't know what happened totally. I, I'm just glad, like, apparently he's not even expected to miss a game. So okay, that's good uh, then. Yeah, I think he's obviously just in concussion protocol. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think the fact that he, you know, got up as quickly as he did and skated off is going to let the league kind of ease up on the protocol there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that he was just, like, it was a physical, like, the... Yeah, I mean, the sh- imagine the shock of that. I mean, like getting oh, yeah. an NHLer shot to the to the head. I mean, yeah. like I would be like screaming. I'd be asleep the on ice. the ice. Yeah. So, you know, you never want to see a guy lay down after those. So it's good to see him get up. But yeah. Um. What else can we say? Uh, uh Belzil. Belzil played all right. I mean, again, these guys are not guys I want to notice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pizzetta, I I honestly like I have high hopes for Pizzetta. I I think Pizzetta will be a bottom six guy on our team very soon. I mean, like. His point production in Laval. Um, okay, sorry. That that's the thing I wanted to mention. So, um, on TSM, they had said something that we've talked about many times. Um, they talked about why Pizzetta was was, let's say, going to be more successful in the AHL than uh, in the NHL than Belzil. And so, when Belzil goes to the NHL, he's a first line sniper. When Pizzetta goes to the AHL, he's still a third line grinder. Yeah. Which is, we talked about this, I think, a year and a bit ago about Charles Hudel. About how he goes from being a 30-something goal scorer in the AHL to a bottom six penalty killer in the NHL. And why uh, that's kind of where we got our theory on who should be in the AHL and the NHL. It's very, very, and like playing players where they need to play, not where you want them to play. You know, that that's where we're talking about Caulfield getting top line minutes on either the Habs or Laval not being on the third line anywhere. That's why, you know, for example, Ryan Paling, we're against him playing, you know, the 1C position in, in Laval because we're not grooming him to be a 1C. Yeah, I think, you know, and a lot of it comes down, like, specifically with Charles Houdon, with, like, success in development in the AHL really depends on the buy-in of the players. Yeah. Like, you know, Charles Houdon, unfortunately, kind of lived in the AHL to play in the NHL, which, like, it was completely understandable, but you have to buy into the Rocket team. Like, you yeah. have to develop properly down there. You have to want to win as a Laval Rocket player. And you well, see that's that. That's like with what jo- Josh Hosang said to the media. They asked him about uh, why he. Yeah, yeah, he's on the Marlies. Yeah. And they asked him, for those who didn't see the interview, like what he thought about, you know, Josh Hosang thing. He was this highly touted prospect that never really made it onto the Islanders. And now he, once again, hasn't made the Leafs. And his answer was, you know what? Um, I'm just getting paid to play hockey. It's a different mentality now that I'm a bit older. He goes, I, you know, if I get in the NHL, I get in the NHL. He's like, I've kind of moved past 
um, you know, being sour about not playing in the National Hockey League. He's like, I'm still a professional hockey player. Yeah, you get to play and hockey for you, Exactly. And the big thing for him was that he said people need to realize, like, sometimes it's not... Um, you know, they're not, it's, it's never that they're out to get you, but you just don't fit the model. And obviously Josh Hosang, who is probably the most purely offensive player in terms of his play style, does not fit a New York Islanders play team. And that's why, you know what, he'll probably have some success with Toronto's game. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him get called up after a while, but you know, it's the same mentality. You got to like realize that, you know, you're not just, you know, buying time in the AHL. You're playing there. He played, what was he right or left? Uh, Hosang? Yeah. Yeah, he plays on the right, but he, he goes, he goes back and forth. I think he's playing left wing in the Marlies. But Probably. I, anyway, I, uh, my point is is that with how the Toronto Maple Leafs left wing's playing, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull him up soon. But, yeah. Um, you know, going to the open net goal again, like Gallagher, great defensive play, uh, open net, don't really care how the guy scores, just need him to get moving a little bit. And mm-hmm. Again, Josh Allen, wicked performance. Jake. Jake Allen, <laughs> Josh Allen. Wrong <laughs> but, sport. Yeah. <laughs> um, that... You know, the, yeah, that Giants game was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, other podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to say, yeah, Jake Allen, another great performance. Um, a lot of key saves and just a lot of Carey Price-esque, um, really in position. Yeah, he wasn't is, doing his Tim Thomas fish out of water yeah. as much. So what's our next game? Uh, I believe we play the Islanders next, and that's going that's to That's going to be interesting because if we can't get on the board against yeah. the you know, San Jose, we're going to have some issues. Yeah, with so we played the Islanders on uh, Thursday night. Home? Uh, yes, okay. at home. And you know what? Just looking very briefly, um, the Islanders are struggling a little bit too. Their penalty kills a lot better than ours. It's at 85%. But the goals allowed is still high, and the goals for are still relatively low. So they're 24th in the league in goals for and sixth in the league in goals allowed. Yeah, it seems like most teams who had a deep run last year are kind of struggling. Yeah, it's, it's, year, it's so. typical, but either way, we have, uh, you know, that's a new team for us to face again. Yeah, and, it's weird. Uh, you know, I look forward to it. I, I think we just, the variety is going to help us too a little bit. Yeah, so see you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.